0: Goodness, welcome in to another episode of Sad Times. Now, I know these past two and a half years there's been nothing to be sad about, so that's why I haven't made any episodes. Uh, but guess what? We're back, we're back with, in a big way, uh, and we're gonna get to our guest here in a minute. Um, but first, let's start with the sponsor. Uh, as always, they stuck through us through the hard times. Uh, fuck cigarettes. That's fuck cigarettes. Uh, the cigarettes that you smoke, and then you exhale and go, "Oh fuck," and that's how they got their name. Uh, so uh, uh, next time you're at a Seven uh, Eleven or an Eight Twelve or whatever the fuck, pick yourself up some fuck cigarettes. Um, okay, for those of you who are somehow still listening. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about what Sad Times is, if you haven't heard us. So uh, Sad Times is a show uh, that I host. My name is Kevin, uh, and uh, I have a guest on uh, each episode, and we talk about times when that person uh, was sad, was upset, went through some really hard times, and kind of what he or she was feeling, uh, and also how those who love that person reacted. And, and uh, we, we kind of try to allow that person to tell their story and the story of those around them during very difficult and sad times, uh, so that we can all feel a little less alone, uh, when we're going through our own shit, uh, cause we do all have our own shit. So, um, uh, this is the hope is, you know, we're not here to fix it. We're not trying to fix it. We're just here to, to kind of talk through, um, uh, people's stories. Uh, and today we have got, uh, a really good story for you, uh, in our big comeback, uh, uh episode, um, uh, today, we're going to be talking to what's really called one of those uh, everyday heroes, uh, a firefighter uh, by the name of Jay. Jay, how are you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me on. Hey, man. Thanks for being sad. I mean, being here. <laughs> um, uh, so let's let's start right there with what we said. Uh, you were a firefighter. Tell me about how long you were a firefighter and how you got into firefighting.
1: I was... Firefighter for 28 years, 25 career. Okay. Um, came by it honest. It was a family deal. My father, my oldest brother. Oh, wow. I had a, a twin brother that's still on the job. Okay. And uh, so it's kind of just fell right into it. Yeah. Uh, so you said 28 years. So you were, uh, when did you start? I officially started in January of 1994 while okay. I was in the military. Mm-hmm. And I got onto a volunteer department in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that for about two years, got out of the military, came back home, volunteered for a while when I got home and then got hired. You got hired. So it was kind of like a temp to hire type of thing? Uh, no, it was a, uh, you, you've got a test. Mm-hmm. So it's civil service test. So when uh, I got out of the service, got home and was doing the volunteer work, I was going everywhere, taking civil service tests to get on the job. Gotcha. So it was probably- was that stressful? It's, yeah, it's stressful. To a point where it's frustrating. Okay, you, know, you can you could end up number one on a list, and you could die on that list. It's two years long, and after that two years, if they don't have to hire anybody, wow, you got to take the test again. And it so I was testing everywhere. It's like Cubs season ticket holders, pretty much, except so, except yeah. for actually mean something. <laughs> right. Okay,
0: right. Um, okay, so how long from when you started as a volunteer then that you got hired on?
1: Uh, it was about a year and a... Uh, well, actually, from volunteering on was... I got hired in July of 1997. Okay, So awesome. it was so just a, over, you know, about three and a half years.
0: Okay, now I understand what you said when you said 28, 25 career. Yeah. getcha. you. Okay. Um, okay, let's go back to your family. You said you came by it honestly from your family. Um, tell me about uh, your parents um, and uh,
1: your siblings. Ah, uh, my, my dad was... 50 years older than I was. Oh, born wow. in 1921. Um, you know, grew up during the, well, I was a kid during the roaring 20s, but yeah. Depression era. My mom was born in 1930. Wow. Uh, my dad served in World War II in the Navy. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he got out of the service, he wound up actually going to Northern Wisconsin, uh, worked up there, logger, and he also did a lot of guide service. Um, his He's originally from a ri- uh, river forest. Okay, uh, and mm-hmm. his his father worked for the village. Uh, I'm not sure exactly when, but somewhere in the late 40s, my dad's parents moved to Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. Okay, um, and had a farm. My mom was born in Arcadia, Wisconsin, in 1930. Like you said, uh, they moved back down during the Depression to Fort Atkinson, and my grandfather worked for the uh, Civilian Conservation Corps. So he was doing a lot of the dam work along the Mississippi and Wisconsin. Okay. Uh, fate had it to where my parents met, and they got married, and here I am. Here you are. So you, how many siblings do you have? I've got a total of five. Five. Okay. Uh, I did lose my oldest brother in 2014. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, oh, thank you. That's okay. Uh, but I total of five siblings, uh, one twin brother, and then it ranged from 2019- I believe it's 16 years and then 11 years in between. Wow! Us. Yeah. So we were not expected. We were, we, we, I like to say we were a vacation trophy.
0: Vacation trophy. That's good. That's
1: quite an expensive
0: vacation trophy. Um, and so you had said earlier that your uh, oldest brother was a firefighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the one who you lost in t- 2014. Yes. And then that your twin brother is still on the job. Yes, he's still on the job. And you, sir are retired absolutely retired all right great um so parents being born in 1921 1930 definitely from a different generation oh yeah tell tell me about that like what what uh, what was it like like um what kind of stuff could you could you talk about things like sad times in the house things
1: like that No, a lot of that stuff wasn't talked about okay no it was uh it wasn't well i guess i should say it was the way it sounds from the older four they mellowed out before they had us. You know? oh, so okay. they caught the, I guess the the brunt of that that growing up. Yeah. And uh but it was still it was it was fairly strict household. You know, I mean, you had you know, Saturday mornings we, we knew it was time to get up when my mom turned a vacuum cleaner on at six thirty in the morning. Uh-huh. That's time to get up and start doing housework and get No no cartoons. Done. Nope, nope. You had to get all your work done before yeah. you could do that. Uh-huh. Um fairly strict. We you know, my mom took us to church. My dad uh-huh. didn't have to go for some reason. I don't know why. You didn't but have to go. No, every He's now and then fires, he would. Right? But he was retired at the time. Oh, okay. yeah, he was already retired. Uh, it was it was strict, but there was love there. But it wasn't said. It wasn't. There really, wasn't a lot of "I love you." Like no, no, there weren't. You know the the hugs weren't quite there. You know, and I no, I don't remember it really. A, a very Touching, open kind of thing, you know, and um, a lot of stuff was dealt with through, you know, a lot of points are got, gotten across by a little bit of arguments or, or nothing was ever said. It was just kind of like done.
0: And was it kind of like... um And, you know, tell me if I'm wrong here, but was it kind of like you didn't know you'd messed up until you messed up and then you found out real
1: quick? Usually knew real fast when you messed up. Yeah. You know, that was one of the old, you know, it it could be a crack in the ass or, you know. And I remember the one time I really cocked off to my mom. I didn't see pops coming down behind me down the stairs. And I took one right across the face. Well learned. but. No, nothing, it was nothing brutal. It was just, you got a swat on the ass yep. and that was it. You know, knock your shit off.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, But you knew when you screwed up and then it was kind of over after that. You had to do something really bad to get grounded. But, oh, really? Yeah, it was usually, hey, you, you fucked up. There's your punishment. You're done. Okay. We'll move along. Uh, can uh, Real fast,
0: can you tell me why my dad always made me trim bushes when I got in trouble?
1: Oh. I'm just kidding. I don't uh, know, but usually there was something to do along that line, but it wasn't. Did you do manual labor type stuff Oh, shit? yeah, but yeah. that was when I wasn't in trouble. <laughs> I was and, like, hey, we're going to go plant trees. We got to yeah. cut lawn. We got to, you know, so. I was like, um, I mean, it wasn't like I had Bukowski's
0: father, right? I wasn't cutting the grass with scissors, but I was just really trimming up that hedge. Oh. Until one day there just wasn't a hedge. Take that, dad. Okay. Um, so, raised by parents, definitely the youngest uh, of five. Uh, is that right? Five? Youngest of six. Six, excuse me. Six youngest totally. of six. Yep. By fault? By a minute. Uh, so I, and I claimed by a minute. That oh, claim minute. my claim the fame. You're the baby. Yep. Okay. Um, okay, and so you came, uh, what, what branch were you in? in I was service? in the United States Army. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And you were in for two, three years? I was in just over three. Okay, awesome. All right. So um, let's talk about you. When did you retire?
1: I retired officially. Officially. I could speak today. Officially, it was uh, February 12th
0: of this year, of, of 2022. This year, yes.
1: My uh, last full day as a firefighter was February 11th. All right. So. Fe- February 12th, Lincoln's birthday. Also,
0: the day I bought my first Beatles album. Okay. So uh, now, what
1: spurred your retirement? You know, leading up to that day was a lot, but officially I was done with the job. I could not go back and do it again.
0: Okay. Tell us about, um, now you and I have talked obviously before now. Um, tell us about uh, what, what steps you took shortly before you retired, where you went, what was offered to you?
1: Um, well, we'll start right before a phone call was made. Sounds uh, good. At a Christmas party and, and things have been building up for probably three years to this point in December. I mm-hmm. uh, had a Christmas party, um, was drinking most of the day and that's usually how I was dealing with shutting my mind down from anxiety and stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to the party, had, was having a good time, was getting ready to go. One of my guys was uh, really needing to get a ride home. He was way past the limit. So I didn't know his address. Okay. I went looking for it. I went back into where the party was. Everybody kinda took it as a joke and thought it was funny. And what, I, that
0: he that he didn't know his ad or couldn't tell you
1: his yeah, address. And you, that, oh he's so I, drunk. And, that, yeah. and they just kinda laughed and I was I finally talked him into taking an Uber home. Okay. Dead set on driving. Yeah. And they just didn't I guess take it as serious as I did like hey this kid's got to get home he cannot drive and then I just kind of saw black and I don't remember much after that except getting up the next morning. Kind of saw black. you mean like you got like super pissed. pissed. Did I you get was, in a
0: fight do you know? No,
1: no, I know I, I remember pushing one of my guys. But I was so fucking mad that this kid needed to get home. I got him talked into the Uber and nobody took that shit serious. No, yeah. I, and I was, more, I think, and, and looking back on it all these many months, you know, I think that was me going, you know, this is supposed to be a brotherhood and a sisterhood. Yeah. What the fuck, man? Were you know? they,
0: were you guys, oh gosh, is it called a ladder or, um, uh, like, what do you call like a group of firefighters? Like, uh, is a station
1: house? Um, well, we we had three stations where I worked. Okay, so and uh, it, this one was just our annual Christmas party, uh-huh. and um, it was just everybody's having fun, good time, you know. But this one was that was it. And I wanted to make sure this kid got going. Great yep. firefighter, mm-hmm. great person. Didn't want to see him get pinched, but stubborn. Yeah. Sure. So getting him getting him talked into being able to take that Uber and say, yeah, you're right, I, I, I won't drive.
0: So maybe you felt a little accomplished that you got him to do that, and then it had to be maddening then to go and, and try to talk to other people, and they're kind of making fun of him. Yeah. That, okay. Yeah. I want to go back to what you said earlier. You said you are drinking most of the day to quiet mm-hmm. your mind. Now, I haven't heard of this drinking, but I need something to quiet my mind. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I— when you say quiet your mind, what do you, what was a good, not good. Um, can you describe what that was like, like before you started drinking that day, like the day to quiet your Mm -hmm. mind kind of what was going through your head before?
1: Well, I came off shift. Mm -hmm. Um, I may, you know, may have gotten an hour sleep if that, um, very busy department. Yeah. Um, very rarely did we sleep through the night. A lot of times, hour, maybe two hours of broken up sleep through the night, Uh you get maybe one or two.
0: And you're on 24, off 48, is that right? Yes,
1: and at the time for my position as a relief chief, a floater as we called it, Uh I may work one-on-one off, two-on-one off, so it all kind of depended at the time. And I think I was on a, at that time I was on a one-on-two off. So I had been up all night. Uh, just ran like crazy for the 24 hours. Yeah. So on top of everything that else had been going on for the previous few years, you come off work, you get home, and you try to unwind and relax, but your mind is just spinning, you know, about a a certain amount of calls. Okay, what do I got to get ready for for the next day? What the hell am I going to walk into at home? Yeah. You know, it, it, it had already been a shit show for a while there too
0: at home yeah oh, oh okay you know, we'll get to that
1: for me so yeah, yeah so, it was just so that the anxiety level was cranked
0: and and I, and I want to go deeper into the job in a moment too but then you start drinking and then do you just feel calmer uh, with the alcohol or do you feel a sense of euphoria kind of what was the what was the release?
1: Honestly, it was having a cocktail and trying to numb yourself, you know, and shut everything down and hopefully not feel as much. Yeah. Um, So you you didn't, you were the stress,
0: the anxiety, which we're going to get into in a moment with the job and everything with, with that type of job, you were just trying to numb all that down. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Thanks for answering that. So you get this guy, we, you, you see black, you wake up the next morning. What happens next?
1: Um... I'm sitting out in the kitchen, staring at the wall, like, and I I remember thinking this: What the fuck is wrong with you? You are at rock bottom. This shit isn't working anymore. Okay, you need to go get help.
0: Wow. And what made you feel that you were at rock bottom? Um, was it just the night before to where I
1: knew I got so pissed off? I knew that I had shoved one of my guys. Yeah. And I don't know what else I said. I know I didn't hit anyone. I know that. But just being like, holy shit, these are the the guys and the girls you love. You work with them. You put your life on line with them every day. And you are so out of it mentally that you did that. So you said you made a phone call. Yep. I uh, went in. I sat down with my chief and assistant chief. Talked in a very, very stern talking Mostly for me listening, and listening he was to them. even you was starting talking. To yeah, him. They, were, they were they were dead you? serious about it. Like, hey, you can't fucking do that, you know. Like, even about the night before. Yep. Okay. And wow. And that you've been kind of going down this road, and I go, I know I need to go get help, and we made the phone call to the uh, Center of Excellence. Center of Excellence is that like in a Disney villain castle? What is the Center of Excellence? This is out in Maryland. It is through the International Association of Firefighters. Oh, so okay. So it's a good thing. Yep. Got it. It's yeah. a very good thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so it's the IFF Center of Excellence. Okay. And they deal with mental health and addiction problems. Wow. So at 7.45 in the morning, we made the phone call out to them and set everything up and was told, hey, get out here.
0: Okay. You have a bed. So you're saying anybody who's in the, is a uh, sorry, international...
1: What? uh, International Association of Firefighters. Anybody
0: who's in that has this as a resource.
1: Yes, and they're getting ready to open a second one on the West Coast. Okay. So it is being used. It's very, you know, it was was almost full when I was out there, even during COVID. Do you know about how many people would consider constitute full? 66, I believe it was, when I was out there. I think they can hold upwards of 70 or 75, something like
0: that. Okay. Um, So... Then that leads me to a couple other questions. Like in, in the firefighting business, um, is it something that's mental health, something that's talked about? I mean, if they have a the Center of, center of Excellence, I believe is what it's called.
1: It is. You, people know about it. Yeah. I knew about it from reading our trade magazines through IFFF, uh-huh. Firehouse Magazine, Fire Engineering. Um, it's all over union boards okay. in, in the firehouses. Um, but it's not once a year. Maybe twice a year it'll be talked about when you go to training and they want to discuss that. But for the most part, no, it's not really, it's, it's still kind of a taboo subject in the so, fire service.
0: Okay. So had you thought, so basically, please correct me if I'm wrong, cause I'm trying to follow along here. Basically you're saying, uh, you deal with your shit and then until you can't deal with it, there's the center of excellence, but there doesn't seem to be a lot of engagement in between.
1: No, it still seems, you know, it's one of those subjects nobody really wants to touch. I don't know if they're afraid of pissing somebody off, Uh hurting somebody's feelings, or maybe feel like ostracizing them. They don't want to take that chance that, hey, you know, I I always had an open door policy with my Uh members. And if I saw something that was out of line that was not them, I wouldn't have a problem pulling them into the office and say, hey, look, I'm worried about you. Yeah, you know, but for the most part, I, I don't know how many other people did that. So why do you think that
0: is? I mean, why I, this is a almost a rhetorical question, but maybe center around the firefighting world. You know, why do you think that there's still such uh, trepidation to use a word uh, to speak about mental health or to even address it? When you when
1: I came on in '97 mm-hmm. career, um, I was still on with Vietnam era guys. And and those guys were brought up by Korea War veterans and then those before them, World War II. And it was still a, you're a man. You no, know, there weren't a lot. Of, we didn't have any females on at the job at the uh. time. But it was more that old, you don't talk about this shit. Right. You shove it down. You get over it and you move on. You go to the next call. Okay. So, so there wasn't a lot of that talk at the at the coffee table in a morning or dinner right you yeah. were just that's how you were taught you know and growing up that way that's that's how i was taught growing up so it was already instilled in me when i was 25 and got on the job there so do you think maybe you're
0: 24 25 <clears throat> starting a uh, full-time uh, career i believe it said yeah. um do you think at that time let's say when you're 25 you would have felt comfortable saying ah oh, god uh XYZ just happened. I'm really anxious about it. Or were you still Were you still
1: in the place where like,
0: I don't talk about that shit?
1: At that time, as a, you're a probationary firefighter for a year. Oh, okay. So pretty much you've got two eyes and two ears and one mouth. You open the other two and you keep the single one shut for mm-hmm. a year okay. at least. So no, even my first year, I would have never been comfortable. And even after that, it was not of you may find one person that you are very close with that you can kind of open up to with that shit. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, it's not even discussed. That was the, that's the old school mentality. Okay. Rub S- dirt on it. Move along. Yeah. Yeah. Which by the way, don't do
0: that. Uh, anybody who's listening, don't rub dirt on anything except for more dirt. Um, okay. So you mentioned something a few minutes ago. You said, Oh, uh, you come off a shift, you don't know what's going to be going on at home, or you're thinking about that call that happened. Yes. So I think uh, a lot of people who are listening, uh, you know, they think, okay, firefighters put out fires. Can you give us a a broad spectrum of of
1: what being a firefighter is like? Being a firefighter is putting out fires, but it's putting out more than just firefighters. Okay, like what else? You put out a lot of other fires. If somebody's have has an emergency at home, it, it could be as simple as a cat in a tree. And this is no bullshit. I've had three of those calls in my career at least. Cat in a tree? Cat in a tree. Fucking cat. And one time a cat on a roof that wouldn't come down. Cat. <laughs> People call us for everything. Everything. The 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 dryer broke. Mm-hmm. You know, we do uh, natural gas calls any, any problem. Like if I said yeah, I think I uh, gas smell gas outside. You guys have to come with go. the truck? Yep. Yep. Okay. You know, so we do everything from, you know, soup to nuts. and so you, you know, see
0: all different uh, strain, w- yes. various stages of, of, of human life.
1: I yes. Mean. You know, medical calls. From right. the sniffles mm-hmm. to the full-on heart attacks to the shootings and stabbings. On top of Fighting fires, like I said, car accidents. Uh, we we run everything.
0: You're at, so every car accident, every shooting, if uh, first responders are called,
1: there will be firefighters? Yes, it? there will be at least one ambulance, depending on what's needed. Yeah. Dispatched. The uh, district engine or truck company, depending uh-huh. on where it would be at for us. Okay. And then normally when uh, when I was a chief, they would send the chief along to run the scene. To make sure hey we need more help boom i'd radio back get more help
0: okay so you're saying like it is possible in
1: a single night you could
0: go from a suicidal cat on a roof to maybe a 42 year old man who had no prior anything uh, and he had a heart attack yes and not i i'm gonna riff on that a little bit so like it's almost like you, maybe you get there. Do you sometimes get there before the ambulance or they eat yes. or something? Yeah,
1: it's easier. It was easier for me in the buggy. A lot of times I was there before, depending on where I was at in town, I could be there before the engine, truck, or ambulance. I could okay. be the first walking right in.
0: So you walk in, you find something that is obviously unexpected, grief inducing, um, likely there's family there, and they're going to in that situation i have to imagine the first person who walks through that door they're just like please help please help and yes. and, and everything yes
1: and and you have to you have to really survey the situation mm-hmm. you know you, you, especially if you're getting there first or even if it's the medics the you know firefighter medics that are getting there or the engine company to make sure the scene's safe for everybody to be working in first so okay, depending on the call because yep. you never know and when, That's fam- a in and when of families itself. in distress like that and their yeah. loved ones down You never know what anybody's going to do, you know, emotions. So, yeah, Uh, if if I'd walk in and I would see somebody down, usually PD would be rolled with us to the scene, so hopefully they get there about the time I did, and they could kind of get control of the family a little bit. And -hmm. then, you know, I could check the patient out, see what's going on, and then radio to my ambulance that's coming in. Hey, this is what I have. And then get some information on the patient that's down from the family as best I could. Yeah. You know, allergies, medications, when was the last time you saw, you know, that kind of thing. So I could pass that on to my crews.
0: Yeah. Wow.
1: Um. So, yeah, a lot of times I was first in on a lot of shit. Uh, you say,
0: so like people, even not even like a, uh, I'm a person who had a health problem, but like people trying
1: to hurt other people. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, a lot of times first in on shootings, stabbings. Um, you know, as soon as we get the word, you know, as, as I'm making a scene, you know, we always staged. PD would go in and clear on those um, you know, as best they could. But a lot of times PD was already clearing as I was pulling up. So right. I would go in to assess you what's going on. And so you're getting a full gamut of, you know, holy Christ, this guy's got a four bullet holes in him, you know? So you kind of get used to it, but you don't realize you're not used to it. Yeah, it'll 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 burn in your head. It'll burn in your head. So uh, there's a new segment on Sad Times
0: uh, that's brought to you by Fuck Cigarettes uh, called the most cliched question of the show. So we're going to get to that segment right now. Jay, do you ever get used to that type of stuff?
1: No. Okay. No, you don't. I I had a little fun with that question. Yeah, but but you think you do, but you really don't. So what does that mean? You think you got a handle on it. You Mm -hmm. think okay. Got done with that call, moving along. Yeah. But subconsciously, it's spinning in your head. Now, it's some part of that call or some some part of that call may remind you of another call, but it's always building. It's always it's always going into a, a, a vase or a jar.
0: Uh-huh. And, and that, you take that jar yeah. and you
1: shove it down, you pack it full, and you throw it up on a shelf. And I, I love using this. This is from Bill Burr. -huh <laughs> put that shelf that that jar on a shelf yeah and you wait and see what family function what function you're going to when <laughs> that jar falls off that shelf and explodes that's very good that's, so you <laughs> shove it in yeah and you just move on you think you're okay with it it's coming up one day down the road it's gonna show back up
0: D- is it is it prevalent maybe where you're going from one call that's maybe particularly heinous to another call that you're next to you know, one of your uh, co-workers and, and you start to talk about it, like, that was horrible and I can't unsee that or anything like that,
1: or... It would be more of get back from... If you went from call to call to call. Yeah. Um, as a chief, I tried to go down and this is what I always did, was I always worried about taking out, take care of other people. Yeah. Not worried about me. That's what first responders do. We take care of everybody else. Uh-huh. So we'd have, you know whatever it was a bad call i would go to the firehouse and talk to that crew of the ambulance and the engine company or truck company and ask them how you guys doing everybody okay anybody need to talk anybody screwed up enough to where you want to go just come talk to me can i ask you something
0: mm-hmm. before you became a first responder do you feel like that you always felt that you needed to be there for other people and
1: yeah. like that was your job why yeah. do you think that is i don't know i don't know Okay. You know, I always like to try to take care of others before I would, I, I, and I didn't think about it, and this is, you know, learned about over the last, you know, year for yeah. me, but I never thought about it that I, I didn't take care of myself. I worried about others.
0: You know, and something I, this is so shitty, but something I hadn't thought about until I first spoke with you is um, first responders, they, I can't imagine it's
1: easy to learn to not be a first responder when you've gone home. No, it doesn't stop. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't stop. There I, there was a time, um, and I lived in the city I worked in, mm-hmm. and, oh, God, it had to be 2019. But well, me and the wife are sitting there watching TV. It's, it's, Oh, God, it's almost three years ago. It was in December, and I remember somebody just pounding uh-huh. on my front door. Oh, Swing the door open like, what the f- fuck yeah it's so my neighbor three houses down young there's a house on fire up the street so i'd peek outside and sure as shit there's flames blowing through the roof fuck. so grab a quick coat start running up the street and here come the fire department and ran up and asked the chief on duty. he's like what do you need Do you need anything he's like i need to know where my water is so yeah you i was going right i was like what do you need
0: yeah and that's a, <clears throat> excuse me
1: that's another thing I think we,
0: uh, not in the specialty trades, or just the regular sad people like myself, uh, take for granted are people like, let's just say, obviously, firefighters. Let's say doctors. Uh, my, my sister's a nurse practitioner. I'm hypochondriac. It works out. Um, veterinarians, you know, they're, they're trying to have their life, and then, but, oh, you're a veterinarian? Um, you know, look at his eye. Can you look at his ear? Yeah. The yeah, same My thing. gerbil's sick. My hamster's
1: yeah. not doing well.
0: Right. But you're conditioned as a first responder even when you're uh watching i'm gonna go ahead and say below deck mediterranean
1: uh, that would be my wife
0: that would be your (laughs) wife okay whenever you're watching television even if somebody's like i mean houses on fire is pretty pretty intense but like they know to come to you oh jay over there lives there he's a firefighter Go. he knows what to do yeah right
1: yep you know and then living in the city you work in Uh uh-huh um that's the other fear you have Mm-hmm. Is okay. I especially when a dispatch address comes in that I know that it's one of my friends. It's one of the people oh. that I know, and you hear it, and you are like, "Fuck!" And now it's because somebody you know. You're you're you know. You always move at a high rate of speed and want to get there, but it, it's like, "Oh shit, what's going on?" Yeah, yeah. It, the not knowing. You always go zero to one hundred. Yeah, but on those sometimes you might go zero to one fifty. So you have a Tesla. You know, so you're, you're flying. You're just like, holy shit, I hope yeah. this isn't bad.
0: So um, do you feel like you could tell people like, hey, you know, somebody's like, what's it like? What's it really like? You're like, oh, no, no, no. Do you feel like if, if, if um, say, you were on a podcast uh, and I were to press you and ask you, like, what's the worst call you've ever seen? Do you, like, feel comfortable sharing things like that? Or how do you relate to people... Since you've been out, about the stress of the job.
1: Well, I've always I've always said this related from, to people. You know, the twenty-eight years I did it. Now it's however many months, ten months since I retired. Almost, yes, sir. My nightmares are my nightmares. Yeah. I will not share my nightmares with anyone. Those are mine. Okay. I I don't. I've shared a couple with my wife, uh-huh. but I won't even share a lot with her. What I've seen. That's, you, you know, I don't want to.
0: You don't want to put that on
1: anybody. Else. No, I don't want to put that on anybody else. And I, I just want to keep my nightmares to myself. You know, I, I will talk to a therapist about it if I have to. Yeah. You know, if it's really coming up, you know, I will talk to them. But those are those are mine. Those are my personal nightmares, and nobody really needs to know that. They know it's a dangerous job. They know you see some shit out there, but nobody really
0: needs to know that. Okay, I think that's well said. So then at the Center of Excellence, I mean,
1: how intense was the, the work that you did there? Can you um, tell us
0: about kind of the day
1: to oh, day there? Yeah. Uh I tell you what, that was scariest thing I ever did, I think. Was going there. Yep. Was making a phone call and then getting on a plane to go out there. That might be the why scariest was, thing why? I did. Um I had to admit I needed help. Yeah. I also oh, sorry. Sorry. I also had to admit that um, I'm not Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't take care of anybody else till they take care of me. So that was a very hard pill to swallow for me. And I didn't know if I was going to have enough strength and courage to get on that plane. My wife dropped me off at the airport. Yep, And couldn't go in. So, so I'm like, didn't. well, yep. I get, I could do one of two things here. I can go sit in an airport bar, have a few cocktails and haul ass or i could just get on that goddamn plane and fix myself. Yeah. So got on that goddamn plane and went to go fix myself. Um when i got in there, scared shitless. You're you're, you know, 50-year-old man going to walk into this place. What am i going to find here, you know? Right. Is this going to be truly sad camp? Is this going to, you know, i don't know you what say this is. Sad camp? sad What's camp? That? Oh, sad camp. Yep. So, <laughs> you know, and i had some i have some friends that i had talked to before i went out to kind of get the low down but you really can't you can listen to it you just don't know what to expect you're like okay this might be okay you're you scared because
0: this. you don't it, it's so not talked about that yeah yeah and yeah. along with your own feeling like i'm not as you said i'm not superman yeah all that um okay so you get out there scared you said the scariest thing you ever done. Tell us, like,
1: kind of the intake process, and then kind of the process of being there. Ah, uh, you get in, you uh, sign in at the time. You do your COVID test. You know, sure. So, hey, you, you know, lucky, lucky that time it, that I went out. Um, you Get out there. You go into in processing. So you are with a couple um, nurses. They're doing everything. Vitals. Take you know. They're they're and they're asking you questions. You know, do you want to harm yourself? What's the, when was your last drink? You know, so they're really making sure mm-hmm. everything is going. Um,
0: was, sorry, yeah, was drinking ahead. something that you wanted to address there as well? Um, I
1: thought about, well, maybe I do. Uh-huh. You know, I never got up needing one. Yeah. I never needed one to get going. Yeah. I, I never needed, I never had withdrawals, or anything, you know, okay. nothing like that. I just right. drank to numb. Okay, um, so I got out there. You know, they're like, "Do you have any withdrawal symptoms?" So, for the first seventy-two hours, you are in a separate area, you know, and there may be some other people that come in. So, you may be with those uh, folks that are just checking in as well mm-hmm. with you. Uh, but for seventy-two hours, it's kind of watched. There's a nurses' station right outside the, the uh, rooms you're in, um, and then you are going to go and start the next day, seeing counselors, you're going to get assigned a counselor, you're going to speak to two doctors there, and you're going to answer the same goddamn questions 40 times in three days. But it's all done to make sure nothing is changing and they want to make sure uh, that you aren't going through withdrawals or, you know, so, um, or that you're not bullshitting them.
0: Yeah. What's you know? like one of those
1: questions? Um, well, this last time, you know, uh, every morning you get up, we take temperatures, Mm-hmm. Uh, you get your blood pressures taken mm-hmm. and then it's a questionnaire mm-hmm. you know, and you would answer that every day and they would, they would be really monitoring your temperature and your heart rate and your blood pressure. Okay. And they could tell, you know, I, I went through with some really banged up people, you know, yeah. and, but the thing is, is. Is even the banged up ones that, you know, when I, where I was scared to death, it was like, no, I'm going in there, I'm going to fix myself, I'm not going to bullshit anyone. Even the ones that were so banged up in there were honest and everybody, even the new person, because where we did all that morning stuff and night stuff, it was the mm-hmm. same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody that's already in the houses, and I'll talk about those in a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, everybody would come up to that nurse's station morning and night and they'd have all that done. So you're meeting everybody and you were eating with them. You just hadn't started anything yet. But gotcha. you got to meet them but everybody's caring about you. How are you? Yeah. If you need anything. What, you know, so it really was mind-blowing. I felt comfortable probably within the first 3 hours. Like holy that shit. That had to be such a relief. Oh my god, it was. Yeah. It really was. Um it really was and then you know, you get lunch. Yeah, that's where I met a ton of people. They just come up to you and they're like, "Hey, how are you?" They introduce yourself. Uh We're doing a fire tonight. Guys, want to come? You want to come down? This is where it's at. It's over here. They show you around. Doing a fire? Yeah. So you'd have they they would have bonfires almost every night. Oh, and you wouldn't have staff out there at the bonfire. Well, they, they had you. You know, oh well, all of us there are firefighters, yeah. and paramedics. So I was
0: really confused. Like, I didn't know if you like went through fire fire drills or something. No, it was oh, this okay. was
1: this is without anybody truly knowing it. This was therapy, and probably the best therapy I had. Just I was out
0: and there. so you guys were able to be out there. You said no staff. There's every,
1: every now and then somebody might pop down and say yeah. hey, but no, there was no staff there. And you just kind of would talk to each other. You light a bonfire and. You kind of get in a conversation and some of the most serious shit and traumas came out there and a lot of tears shed, but mm-hmm. a lot of laughs. But it was more peer counseling with yeah. each other and getting shit out.
0: It's it's kind of like um, a safe space to, to share those nightmares you were talking Very about. Very
1: safe space because everybody that is out there is there for one reason or another because of the job. Sure. And... Shared experiences. There's where I could tell my nightmares. Yeah. Because exactly. people understand. People have it lived would be them. burdening them. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a shared experience of of peop of my own people that we could just talk. And that's that's outside of all the um therapy we did.
0: Yeah. Um sorry, you kept saying shared experience and uh producer uh lisa who sounds like brent no i'm just kidding brent is a huge uh kevin smith fan and made me think of chasing amy and the shared oh, experience yeah. yes
1: yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. shared, is a shared moment excuse me
0: uh thank you producer brent um okay so you have the bonfires all right so once you get done with the i, I think he it's about 72 hours 72 intake. hour
1: intake process you'll start probably about depending when you get there you know mm-hmm. uh i got there towards the weekend so saturday sunday was kind of mellow monday i started right into um therapy and i was assigned a clinician my own clinician but like you said you're still going to talk to a couple other doctors but then you start into 8 hours a day 7 days a week group sessions 8 hours a day 7 days a week yep group sessions and group sessions on on how uh, so many different different things they go over on how to cope, on, on, on learning everything you can about mental health. And, you, you know, it goes through every step and, and every different thing that's going on. And it, it's, it's, it's hard to explain um, just how
0: eye-opening it was. Do they even go through, like, when you feel anxious in your brain... Your brain is doing this, the amygdalas and all this stuff. Yes, yes. Fuck the amygdala, by the way.
1: And they they go through all of that. They do, um, they will break stuff down, um, what causes the traumas, how you can deal with traumas, anxiety, steps to overcome. They go, they just... There's, I still have a binder at home and I did forget to bring it today. I wanted to bring it and mm-hmm. it's sitting at home. That's quite right. But it's, you know, and wow. that's not everything I saved. It's, I saved everything that I got it's out of there. About an inch thick, you'd say? Easily. Yeah, and that's wow. just stuff for me. Okay. That I saved. It, I probably got s- that thick of stuff. Yeah. So a out couple
0: there. inches. So you, and and you still use that
1: to the I day. still go back to it. Uh, yeah. they, and out there, they, they will do meditation. We meditated probably twice a week. Mm -hmm. 30 minutes hour, Mm -hmm. they teach you how to meditate, how to breathe, how to, okay, here comes the anxiety and the stress level here. Okay. How are you going to ground yourself and bring it back to center? Yeah. So they, they really did a great, it was the best 26 days of my life. So you're there 26 days. 26 days.
0: Uh, How often did
1: you, you said you had a one-on-one clinician? Yes. That would be twice a week.
0: And for how long?
1: Uh, That was probably about two weeks for me. And okay. then it went to once a week, unless she had to talk to me about something. Mm-hmm. But just to sit down, and see how things are going, uh, you know. How and long were the hours? sessions, like an hour? About an hour, 45 minutes usually. Because, uh-huh. you know, they've, they've got, depending on how yeah, many people are out there, they, you know, they're assigned a certain Everything. amount of, of mm-hmm. people. So, um, but a good 45 minutes. Okay, so 26 days,
0: seems like an odd number to be out there.
1: Uh, the average day, f- from what I was told when I got out there, was about 35.
0: Thirty-five. You know, uh,
1: and and when I got out there, I was one of the oldest guys out there. You were oldest person. What, what I should would you say, say
0: is uh, uh, the, the average age at that
1: point? I'm going to say probably between twenty-seven years old and thirty-five years old was most of the wow. people out there. Wow, you know, which is yeah is wow. But
0: how awesome is that? It's wonderful because it, do you think how much of this do you think is because. Uh, in their generation, they feel more comfortable talking about these things. I think
1: it absolutely has everything to do with it. Yeah, how they're brought up, you know, how how they were, they could share feelings. They they know how to say "I love you" and hugs and all that shit, yeah. which is great. You know, I wouldn't trade my childhood for anything. But I'm amazed and I'm so impressed by those kids that were out there. You know, as a fifty year old, I get to call them kids. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just, I was kind of. Taken back the first couple of days when I was meeting all these young kids out there. Uh-huh. But I was so proud of them that they stepped up and knew, hey, I got I to gotta take care of this shit. This shit isn't good. I got to go fix this. Did you feel,
0: um, I know you said you were afraid. Did you feel shame about being there at any point? Not at all. No.
1: Really? Uh, not, Not after I made the phone call. Before you, the phone call, yeah. Mm-hmm. After I made the phone call, I was more... Just down on myself. How did you let yourself get this far? You couldn't figure this shit out. Um,
0: Why? Why can't you do better, Jake? Right. Right. I mean, I beat the living
1: shit out of myself daily, and I didn't get out there. I made a call on the eighteenth of December. I didn't get out there until January sixth. Wow. So it was. It was just an ass kicking I gave myself, you know. And God love. My wife at the time, because I put her through fucking hell, but so supportive, so got your back. You're gonna do great. You're you got this. You were this. I'm so proud of you. I couldn't ask for anybody better. She was just building me up as best she could.
0: Can I ask you a few things about yeah, that? About absolutely. Your, about your marriage, um, absolutely. How how would you say, uh, I know you mentioned earlier that this definitely, oh, what am I going to get when I get home based on the trouble you're having? So how, how, did, how did the struggles you were having with mental health at
1: work affect your marriage? Um, it got to the point where, well, we were in, in marriage counseling. Okay. In my mind, I was, you know, I wasn't ready to say fucking I'm out. Mm-hmm. But at times I was just like... She doesn't get this. She doesn't understand. She's always up my ass about shit, you know? Mm -hmm. And really, it wasn't that. It was me. Yeah. But I I was uh, projecting all my bullshit on her that it was coming from her to me. It wasn't. It was my bullshit in my own head. But I dealt with it in a way with her of her giving it to me. So, me thinking in my head of, you know, ah, you're fucked up. You're doing some dumb shit. Why the fuck can't you, you know, get home on time or not have drinks or whatever? Yeah. That was me saying it to myself. And once in a while she would, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But even when she wasn't, I took it as that's what she was saying. Isn't
0: it, isn't it, uh, well, let's let's just call it maddening that, uh, you know, we could have, you could sit and take a class and, and you probably went over projection when you were at the COE and somebody could, tell You, what is projection, and you can write it out in a paragraph. Yeah, so like that's exactly it. And then, but then you're like, well, I don't do that, right? right? Isn't absolutely.
1: It, no, that wasn't me. Yeah, it's mind bending. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Where it's just, oh, that, that's not me, that's, which, that's somebody else. That's not my shit. It, and it turns out, yeah, it's your shit, which I don't do that,
0: by the way, everyone. Okay, yes, I do all the no, time. At least you
1: haven't projected on Brent. So, no, I never, never, <laughs> ever,
0: ever would I do that. Um, okay, so, um, so like you said like y- you weren't ready to leave.
1: You guys were in uh marriage, in counseling. marriage counseling. She was walking on eggshells and broken glass every day around me. W- was she afraid to just like what would be I would I could just pop at a moment's notice,
0: and she's like, "I was just getting the towels out of the laundry, yeah, or something it could like be, that." You know, it
1: could be that I asked, you know, what do you want to do for dinner? Or she would ask you that, you know, and you would snap it. It could be anything. It yeah. could be anything. I yeah. was just, I was a fucking mess, you uh-huh. know, mentally. I was a fucking mess. Uh, I was stressed out of my mind. Anxiety was through the roof, and I just didn't know what the hell was going on with me. Yeah. I thought it was marriage. Never thought of the job. Never put two and two together. This could be the job. Yeah. It's got to be my personal life. This is the most amazing job in the world. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oops. Oops.
0: So do you, <laughs> do you think that... Um, so you're, she's walking on eggshells. You're, uh, as you said, popping off at any minute. Um, do you think that... I think I just heard you say, well, it can't be the job. So you weren't even considering the job for a long time. No, never even never even crossed my mind it was what was But causing. you had those the Bill the jars yeah. from those bad calls, and yep. they were all up there on the shelf. Yeah. And maybe something happens with your wife and one of them falls, right? Yep, like, or
1: Christmas party. Christmas party, exactly. Or uh, any kind of family trip, whether it be with the wife or with members of the family fishing trip. It could be anything that would just... Explode or hanging out with friends that, you know, playing hockey, going to tournament, doing, you know, doing something like that. It could just show up out of anywhere. I was just, I was a, I I was kind of a fucking nightmare. Um, and this came out as anger mostly? Yeah. Mine really came out as anger. Okay. Anger. Um, I would be sad and depressed on my own. Right. Um, when she was at work and I had the house to myself. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, then I get sad and depressed and then when she got home, you know, she didn't know what she was walking into. Well, just one wrong thing and look out, you know, even the dogs were like walking on glass around me. They would, oh shit. He, he raised his voice again down the hallway. Yeah. They didn't want to come near me. You know, so I was a, I was a treat. A Uh, real goddamn treat. Yeah.
0: it sounds like, how did your, your depression and sadness and depression take shape when you were home alone?
1: Um, that's where the anxiety, the mind would run and run and run and i would be i was also at the same time going through covid doing emergency management shit for the oh, city geez, yeah so um pulling kind of two jobs and now i don't have any you know and at the time you couldn't get the hell out and go bullshit with people because nothing was yeah, open right um and zooms just don't get it you know <laughs> It's one thing to have drinks and laugh with everybody on Zooms, but yeah. that's just not like being there. No, right. Yeah. So, <laughs> I, I could I would sit and think and mull over shit and things that I thought I fucked up or made mistakes on and, and passed. past you know once in a great while it's like ah well you already ruined one marriage you're on the way to ruin number two whoa whoa you would know? already been married Yeah, before I'd, this. I'd been married in uh, in two thousand divorced in two thousand four. Oh. And it was uh that was a, a lot of different stuff. There wasn't any of the anxiety or anything back then. That was okay. that was different. But already failed marriage, you're like, Jesus Christ, really? What, can I
0: I mean this is a really pointed question. Yeah, I have never been married because I know I would fail. Um is my question is what did you have a lot of shame with being somebody who
1: who left a marriage or
0: had a failed marriage?
1: Um at the time when I was going through all my shit, yes. At the mm-hmm. time, I got divorced. Back then, mm-hmm. um, no. no, no, it was it was for the best. Okay, um, so it it was for the best. But when you're going through all this shit, no, even knowing my divorce was for the best, I was beating myself up over it. Failed, failed marriage. Yeah, your second marriage may be failing. Your friendships, you've, you some of your friends are gone. Don't want to hang around you. You know, so you you just pound the shit out of yourself
0: now what would happen if i let's say you and i we didn't work together let's say we were good friends Mm -hmm. okay and i came over to you and i described to your house one night or something and i described everything that you had just gone through would you say the same type of shit that you say to yourself to me as a friend would you call me a failure
1: and all that stuff no why do you think that is Uh, i i think we're always harder on ourselves than we are on anybody else we give everybody else the benefit of the doubt uh-huh. Well, we never give ourselves a benefit of the doubt, and I think that's just because we expect something more out of ourselves and 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 be at a higher level, yeah, that's the only thing I could think of, yeah. yeah, I would i would I have a hard time telling somebody that I see they would have to be truly fucking up before I got on them, yeah, and then like, what the fuck are you doing? Knock your shit off. This is what you're doing. Otherwise, yeah. I'd be trying to support them and say, well, you know, that may not be a good idea. Maybe I ought to try this. But you were never supporting yourself. I never supported yourself. myself. I always was just browbeat the shit out of myself. Yeah. And that's one thing I always blame my wife for. Oh, you're browbeating me again. No, she wasn't browbeating me. I was just in the middle of browbeating myself yeah. and not listening to what she was saying. Yeah, I already and, figured it out what she was going to say before she said it. And when you're
0: going through that um, tumultuous, uh, that, 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 in
1: your brain right yeah uh, it's just it's so overpowering oh yeah it, sleep was even outside the firehouse you know as as a relief chief i might be off for f- six seven days mm-hmm. i'd still only get maybe three hours of sleep a night just cause i you... would wake up in the middle of the night and mind was gone it was already racing shit i gotta do this i gotta do this oh crap i can't forget this uh what the hell did i do here that was a fuck up you know it, it was just uh, off to the race. The Plan, minute my eyes yeah. opened up, I was going. Yeah. And I just couldn't get back to sleep.
0: Uh, what were your coping mechanisms?
1: Um, during the day and into the evening, it would, you know, I'd be like, screw it, I'm having a drink. Okay. You no, know, just, that's the only thing. Smoked. Uh, I quit smoking in 2008. Mm-hmm. Um, I started back up again probably around 2017. Wow. Uh, where, I, where I really remember looking back on it, uh huh. That's why I started back the anxiety and the stress. Yeah. Um, and so I started then, and I officially opened up and told the 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 boss lady at home that you know you mentioned one night we're in a hot tub and you had a few drinks and you, you smoked every third day at the firehouse. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And 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 this is how this is this is a story. This is how he finally smoked in front of her again. Okay. Was um it was Thanksgiving. <laughs> 21, and we were, I was off. We were going to go to downtown for sushi. I won't name the sushi restaurant. Okay. So, McDonald's. <laughs> yeah. Filet of fish for everyone. That's right. Just raw. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so they said call a 4. You know, we call Wednesday. Yeah, we're open. Call at 4. We'll be open then. Then we're going to drive down, mm-hmm. pick it up, come home, have sushi, or stay there. Whatever you decide to do. So... Start calling at 4 o'clock, 4.15, 4.30. I flip over to f- social media and they decided at close on Wednesday night that they were not going to open on Thanksgiving. Oh. Uh, so that's just like throwing a match into a big shed of dynamite. Yeah. And I lost my shit. We don't have any goddamn food here. This is bullshit. Our plans, this is, I just was fucking hot. Yeah. God love her to this day. She handled this perfectly. It'll be okay. Something will work out, hon. Don't fucking ruin the night. Go out to the garage and have a cigarette. <laughs> ah! You got it. Smart. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, and looking back on that cuz we were kind of laughing about this this past Thanksgiving this year. And we were giggling about it, and she was absolutely right. I you were, you know, one of her best friends." They, for some reason, there's three of them in their, in their family, Mm -hmm. you know, they got five meals delivered to them. We went over and they're like, Hey, we got two actions. You want to come get them? We're like, fuck. Yeah. She was right. It worked out. But the best play that she could do to calm me down was go out to the garage and have a smoke.
0: And it's interesting. You said this was 21? Yep. So this would have been, if you called on December 18th, this would have only been 24 days before yeah.
1: you had called. So you yeah. were... Oh, I was... Full. Yeah. I, I I won't repeat some of the things I said because I remember them. Yeah. I'd only had a... You know, I didn't even had didn't have any cocktails yet. And... Uh, Is it because you're a Lions fan or... Oh, God, no. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I was... Uh, yeah. Well, oh, she played it. She did well. She did well. That's... Uh, Okay, so when you made the call, did your wife know
0: you were going to call this place? Oh
1: God, no, no. I went. She didn't in, know. No, nope, she had no, no idea. And I, I'm hoping that's the last trauma I ever give her. So okay. I went in, talked to the chief and the assistant chief, and and I took my, asked you in there and made the phone call. And it was two hours. I was in the office two hours. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be nine thirty pushing ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I get a text. You know, where are you? What are you doing? I said, I'll explain when I get home because I didn't want to say anything over the phone. I want to tell her to her face and didn't even think that she's already thinking I'm coming home. Tell her we're getting divorced. That's it. You know, we're done. And uh, so, yeah, she was already in tears when I walked through the door. And I said, I need you to sit down. I need you to listen. And then I told her, I'm checking myself into the center of excellence out in Maryland. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm going to be gone for at least 35 days is the average stay. Um, so I'm leaving and I'm going to go get help. I can't do that. What was her reaction? Then they went from tears of, holy fuck, he's going to divorce me to, I think more just, oh, thank God. Did you then say, go out into the garage and have a cigarette? (laughs) Yeah, I should have. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, I wasn't that good, that quick. But yeah, it was more tears of relief and like, okay, thank God he's, he's, he's realized he's hit rock bottom. He can't go any further down than this. Okay. God, that had to be, and like you said,
0: before you made the call, you were feeling shame, but then after you'd made the call, you're like, I've done it. Now, we weren't at the airport yet. I just got to get on that plane. But the relief that must have been
1: in that room with the two of you. Yeah, uh, it was like, shit, I could almost, I could kind of breathe. I think she could breathe a little bit more. Okay. But then, you know, we still got that time to where I get out to Maryland and start work. You know, and I'd already had a, a therapist for you know about a year and a half, two years prior to that, you know that I was talked to about once a week, yeah, and that just wasn't working, you know, and I stayed in contact uh what with, brought you to see that therapist? Let, um, let do, do that you know a very close friend of mine on the job um, went and talked to a therapist and opened up to me about it, okay and said hey i'm I'm talking to somebody mhm you know I'm like well, shit, maybe I ought to do that. Yeah. Maybe I ought to do that. Can I get the number? Okay. And um, and I had known the name from those once or twice a year things from the fire department yeah. for years. Uh-huh. And I made the call, and I had been about a year and a half or so, two years dealing with a therapist. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't, I wasn't making any progress. I was making a little bit here, a little bit there. But it, I needed to be in more inpatient intendi, therapy intensive, intensive mm-hmm. and to learn new skills you know learn coping skills learn how to take care of myself mentally yeah that wasn't i wasn't getting on those once a week you know sessions so 26 days you finished uh tell me what it's been like since then um it has been the most amazing 10 months that i think i've had in years yeah um that's wonderful the marriage is phenomenal, you know? right. and when we were out there. We also had counseling through them. So actually, I wanted with a marriage counselor out there, my own clinical clinician, on top of all the other clinicians uh-huh. that we were with. Um, so wait, did she come out there?
0: Your, your No, nope, that was all
1: by Zoom. Uh, yeah, it was all Zoom. Got it. Uh, nobody's coming on that campus, and you know, because there were some COVID scares out there, and it didn't yeah. kind of run through. And but it was it was really good. We got. Um, I think she knew that I was on the right track the first time I got my phone out there. I uh, got to make a phone call home. And how, on how my cell phone. soon after you got there, did you get to do that? Oh, she got there and I was probably five days. I think five days.
0: Now, did she know, okay, I'm going to be out there and I'm not going to be able to contact yeah, you? Yeah, she okay. knew
1: that, yep, that for 72 hours for sure, you're not getting a call. Okay. And it depends on what the phone times are. I said, I don't know. I'll let you know if I can. So I got to call her first time on a Wednesday and, uh, we had a conversation, good, you know, decent conversation, mm-hmm. um, talked about stuff, but after we hung up, I was thinking, I was like, eh, shit, I don't want to get kind of into this same old, same old shit we're talking about. So the next time I call was on Friday mm-hmm. and we were talking, I'm like, look, uh, we need to set up some boundaries when we talk. And we have certain things we should talk about, certain things we should not talk about. And she, it was silent on the phone. And then it was kind of her being pissed. And I'm like, no, oh, I, I want to set up the boundaries because of, and I think she just was so used to all the shit before I got out there. She thought something was coming, I'm pretty sure. But all of a sudden she stopped. She's like, wait a minute, you're talking about boundary? And like, yeah. yeah. She's like, I did not expect to hear that out of your mouth. Yeah. So it was, she was kind of taken back by it. I, you know, and I said, were you getting pissed? She's like, yeah, I was getting pissed. I thought this was, I didn't even hear you said boundaries. So she's like, oh. holy shit. She goes, this is this is kind of good so far. Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, start. it is. Yeah. So we get back. Uh, it was a great to see her at the airport. First person I saw when I got home. Um, and it just felt so much lighter. you know. And she had gone through the whole thing with me. And we'd see each other on uh the zoom calls once a mm-hmm. week for counseling and shit mm-hmm. but uh it was nice to get home and then it was a little bit of getting used to one another again because she was used to how i was before i had been gone almost a month um, yeah right it's, it's you know, like, so now it's mm-hmm. like okay we gotta you know i'm not quite that asshole i used to yeah. be. i mean i'm never gonna stop being an asshole Point, i just but not just, a huge, uh, gigantic asshole.
0: Just to note, this is an audio medium. Uh, when he said, I'm never going to stop being an asshole, he looked at Brent.
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> <Okay>. I did. <laughs> um, I think I need a fuck cigarette.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, right. Um, but that's
1: interesting, though, but it's like, okay, maybe I don't have to be tiptoe, 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 yeah. tiptoe, right? Yeah, and it's been great. I mean, uh, we left, I got home February uh, 2nd, and we took off out of town probably retired the 12th we were out of town almost immediately at the end of february for a week just gone let's go Let's get the hell out of here it was just wisconsin it was a fundraiser for the uh, honor guard up there uh-huh and uh but it, we got away for a week yeah we came home and then we started traveling then it was like let's go let's pack the dogs up let's get the hell out of here You know, so it was nice that we got uh, two beagles. Oh, nice. Okay. So we got to start getting away and it was just us. We did uh, 10 days in Phelps, Wisconsin in a cabin kind of in the middle of the woods. And it was just us in this huge house, this huge cabin. Yeah. And it was, we were getting to know each other again and learning. She was relearning me and I was learning all the shit that I just didn't realize for a few years from her. Mm-hmm. So it was really good for us. Were yeah. you able to cope more with that after,
0: obviously the the, the coping skills you learned? But like, she starts. Did you ever have a point where she says, "Well," and I know she wasn't meaning to do pile on or anything, but she's like, "Well, you did this and this and this," where you started to beat yourself up again? Because oh, I no, know, I actually I listened
1: that. to it because she would she would say, "I don't want to, I don't want to pile on you. I don't want to bring yeah. up this shit from the past." And I would tell her, "No, I need to know how you felt." I need to know how you felt. I, and I don't want you to keep it inside. And that, then you start taking those jars and stuffing right. them full of shit and put them on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And now you are doing the exact same thing I did. I want you to tell me how big of an asshole I was. I'm, I can handle it. I know how to cope. Yeah. I know that you have to talk to me as much as I needed to talk to you. That's such a powerful, powerful, I, powerful thing. A year ago. Fuck you. Now? Mm -hmm. No, this is. I I am so amazed the last year of my life of how much I learned, what I can do, what I can think when I know, you know, just learning how to get up every morning, Mm -hmm. check in with yourself. Huge. You wake up in the morning, I'll wake up, and it could be in the first two minutes, it could be in the first. Ten mm-hmm. making coffee and stuff, and and it might be when I stroll outside and have a smoke out back. Uh, it, but it's like, how are you feeling today? All right, you know, okay, I, I might be a little, little bummed, maybe a little anxious about something, or a little sad, whatever it is. It's like, okay, that's okay to feel that way, mm-hmm. and that's not going to ruin. That's not going to run your whole day. Wow, you will come out of it. So then you. You know, you're like, okay, could have been a dream, something that you don't remember having, you know, during the night that might've brought something up. And it could just be that you are, you know, just a little out of whack in the morning. Yeah. But I've learned to three times a day. I check in with myself. Okay. Um, mornings, mm-hmm. afternoon, mid-afternoon, and then before I go to bed. Okay. Because I want to be able to be honest with myself before I go to bed and realize, okay today was a good day but I'm a little pissy about this mm-hmm. but that isn't anything you know or however you know however because that way I can go to sleep at night and I've already dealt with it okay you know, so it was really good that's one of the skills I learned out there is to check in with yourself a few times a day see where you're at mentally and that was after learning that there's more to more feelings out there than just anger you know when I learned Wait, anger there are... yeah, right that's what I always thought. No, they're it's just anger. But yeah, Stop it was. Your head, Brent. You know, it was amazing. And had I brought that damn binder, yeah. But there's the whole wheel of emotion that they show you, mm-hmm. and then it leads anger to this, to this and it breaks. It, it was just. It was. It's a miracle factory. I, mean, I know at the beginning, I said I didn't know if there's going to be sad camp or whatever. Yeah. it's a miracle factory.
0: Sad camp is when you go canoeing with Kevin. <laughs> um, is this the right? So I pulled this up. Yes, uh, I, I have my iPad here for those of you not watching. Yes, that is the uh,
1: IFF Center of Excellence,
0: and this is for any firefighters in the, the anyone brother, that is yep, in brother. the International Association. Okay. I might put this in the the link to this yes. in the show notes. Yes, just for anybody um, who who may come across us and listen to it. So yes, uh, I think the last question I have for you is why did you want to come on uh, Sad Times?
1: You know, it's still a, it's still a taboo subject, and it's not just in the fire service. Or in, for first responders, um, even a military, but the military is getting better at. But they're in a We're we're all in the same boat. Yeah, where it's okay, but it's not widely discussed. It's not really pushed. Yeah, um, it's not talked about. Yeah, amongst each other, or from the higher ups down, or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, if I can come on here as now fifty one year old man that was brought up the old school way in the fire service and in life by old school parents that realize I need help and then I can learn these skills and a lot of them that still help me to this day that I never knew for 50 years on this planet. Mm -hmm. If I could get one person to make that phone call or to make a phone call to just a therapist, whether they're military first responder or any civilian out there that's listening sure. that doesn't think that there's any hope. Holy shit, there's hope out there. There yeah. there's avenues out there to get help. It's the most important thing that if I could get one person to realize, oh shit, if he could do it and find that courage, the courage is in you. You just got to get past all that other bullshit that's yeah. going on in your head. Right. Anyone can make that call. I firefighter, former military, I don't mean shit. Yeah. Everybody's got it in them. They have that courage to do it.
0: I I think that is, um, extremely well said, like extremely well said. And, you know, Jay, uh, 28 years of service, uh, in the firefighting business, three years or so of service in the military. Thank you for your service. Oh, it was and, an honor and, that.
1: and a pleasure. All
0: of that you've given, uh, back to the, to, to society and community. And, uh, thank you for being so open and honest today, uh, with us. And, uh, again, I think you really summed it up really, really perfectly, there at the end that everybody has the courage. You just gotta get past that shit in your head. Um and um you know I think it's admirable and wonderful that you came on here. I really appreciate it. Um anything
1: else you want to say before we um I'd like to thank you and Brent for having me on here. Yeah of course uh, it's it's special. I, I really appreciate that. Um I also want to say too for me when I left the job it wasn't because I hated the job. Yeah. It wasn't because mm-hmm. I couldn't physically do it anymore. I could do it mentally probably. I just didn't want to take that chance of taking a step backwards. So you took care of yourself before you were taking care of other people. Uh, Yes. So take care of yourselves first. Otherwise, you can't help anybody else. And that goes for everyone. I think the way that, yes, that's exactly right. I'm still learning that. I think the way I say it
0: is um, there's always room for kindness and grace even with yourself.
1: Amen. I'm stealing that
0: too. Yeah. Uh, you've got, and I, I forget that every single day, but I try to remind myself of that. Um, so, you know, just what Jay said, if you're out there, uh, you are a fire, uh, excuse me, a, a firefighter, you are listening to this. It will be in the show notes, um, uh, the, the website for the, uh, center of excellence. Um, and, uh, you know, or please reach out to anyone that, you know, uh, to give them a call. Uh, I like to end, uh, Jay, I want to thank you for your time today. Really, really appreciate your story and and, and everything you shared. Glad I could share it. I want to end on a a more humorous note. Um, You had said when you went to make the call, your wife texted you like um, two and a half hours later, like, Where are you? And you said, I'll let you know when I get home, right? To all my friends out there with OCD friends, if somebody who has OCD, like, say, me, says, Where are you and why aren't you at home? And you say, if you really want to make my day, you should say, I'll let you know when I get home. And that's my (laughs) little, that's my little, uh, thumbs up to the OCD community. Uh, no, I'm just kidding though. But, um, really appreciate your time today, Jay, uh, Brent, as always, um, thanks for nothing. And, uh, Thank you, everybody, very much for listening. Uh, this is our 20th episode, or at least I believe it's going to be. And we have 19 before. You can find us in any of your podcasts. And yeah, just remember, there's always room uh, with yourself and with others for kindness and grace. And really appreciate you listening. And I hope you have a good day.